0: You never, ever do not have anything to do, ever.
1: Welcome in to Like a Man, I'm your host, Miles Nielsen. On today's show, I brought on Earl Bailey, who is a cattle rancher, and we talked about his job and what it is that he does every day. Let's give it a listen.
0: Well, my dad actually kind of had a little bit of everything, but mainly sheep and so I I actually grew up with a love of the business and uh spent a lot of my uh younger years helping him and herding sheep and uh Anyway, that was kind of my ultimate dream, I guess, was to have my own herd of sheep at one time. Um, right shortly after high school, I would bought a few cows because I always kind of liked the cow deal, but I got a few cows. And um, I would went to work full time working in the coal mines. And I'd met a girl who <laughs> came from cowboy country in Northern Utah up in Rich County, Woodruff. And she wasn't about to marry a sheep herder. So I had an opportunity, which was to actually buy a, a set of cows from, from your dad and grandpa. And uh, anyway, that was in 1996. And it was a tough year, like I remember Dad, I don't know why I remember it so well, but they sold those calves for 53 cents a pound and it was just tough. Like it was tough to make a go of it. And, and so I bought those cows. There's 56 head from your dad that year and started leasing the farm and just that kind of gave me my start. And, you know, I'm no big outfit. Uh, you know, as far as that goes, I mean, we've kind of built it up now to we're running about 400 mother cows. But, um, you know, it it really came down to Alicia and her influence on me as far as just how I got into it because she wasn't going to marry a sheep herder. So my direction went from my dream of being a sheep man to getting into the cow business. And it's actually been a great thing. It's been just I mean, it's not it's not what I think everybody thinks it is on TV, but uh, you know, I mean, it, it is a good life. And so uh, fortunately, you know, we've had some opportunities and we built some opportunities and we've made some opportunities to get us to where we're at because we started from nothing. Like I didn't have nothing. We didn't, you know, inherit anything. We didn't, we had to work for every single piece of, ground we leased or bought i mean people didn't come knock on your door and say i want you to have this you know it just didn't work that way for us but like i say it's not a big deal but it's our deal and we feel blessed for the opportunity for sure
1: i love how every guy has been through that where you're gonna be something and you have it in your mind and then you meet a girl and she has these interests (laughs) and it's like, Oh yeah. yeah. Sheep. No way, man. I'm I'm all about cattle and beef. Yeah.
0: The neat thing about it for me, I think miles just, you know, looking back over it to go and spend time where she's from with those guys. Like they're the real deal to me. They're, they're the Cowboys every day. And, and uh, you know, her dad and just, a lot of those guys that I met up there, you know, they had quite an influence on me because I kind of, you know, I wanted to be like that. And I, at the time I, I grew up riding horses. So I shoot, that was easy for me, you know, but as far as just being handy and getting something done, like sorting cows, a horseback or getting something roped. And, you know, and so I watched these guys and I learned from these guys and, and man, what a, just a, I don't know, neat experience to spend time there. And, and get to learn from the guys that I admired and looked up to and her dad being one of them and neat opportunity. I mean, it, it really, I think has helped me today for sure to be able to be where we're at today without a doubt.
1: So with those learnings and everything, you feel like you've grown quite a bit since working with them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what kind of cattle do you raise
0: Oh, you know, we kind of crossed up a little bit. We'd actually kind of started out with some salmon tall, black salmon talls, and crossed them up on some Angus cows. And uh, We'd ran and leased a red Angus deal for a while and had the opportunity to buy that a few years ago, and so we added some red Angus. You know, we're actually kind of mixed up. It's not a purebred deal, more commercial, but just kind of mixed up red and black deal. At first, I mean the the fad in the face for the black headed cattle was such a big deal, and is still now that you know the Angus black Angus influence that there's just a tendency to want to the buyers want to spend a little more money for those calves. And but I really have grown to like the red headed cows, so I I didn't want to just change it because you know I liked them and and it really wasn't that they act any different. It's just, I just like the look. And so we're kind of mixed up with both.
1: So you have all these terms. So like you have a feedlot, you have a cow-calf operation. What is it that you do and what's the difference between what you do and the other processes until you get to the slaughterhouse?
0: Well, we're just a cow-calf operation. We basically raise a calf on those cows. And we actually usually have a contract agreement with a buyer that we've actually sold with back in uh, Yuma, Colorado. And he's been really good. So we, you know, we usually work out a deal on a contract, with these calves, and then um, we ship them. We pull them off the cow the day we ship them. So usually towards the end, of October 1st, November, we just run them in and sort the cows and the calves and sex them, steer and heifer and stick them on the trucks, weigh them, and they're gone. And, you know, from that point, they go to uh, his feedlot. He proceeds to feed them on up to fats and killers. But our our deal is is just um, that. We actually have some public ground permits, some forest permits that we run on in the summer. And half of our cattle spend time, you know, on the forests, we would run the calves on them, you know, then we, we typically calve, oh, first part of March and April in our deal. So we're calving and usually by about the middle of June, first part of July, we're able to go on these permits and spend the summer there, which is kind of the highlight for us. I mean, it's time where we get to feel like we're cowboys, I guess, because we're taking them on the mountain and where you're riding your horses and gathering and moving them, you know, all that stuff. So uh the other half usually stays home. We keep maybe the older end and some younger cows, you know, here in the valley and yeah, just trying to put pounds on calves and, you know, making the best we can with either crossbreeding them or just trying to manage our feed and rotation to the best we can so that we can raise good calves and have good weights
1: when you're up in the mountains do you ever have to worry about predation do you have any stories about any animals getting in your herd and you having to intervene
0: i can't think of anything personally i mean that's the one benefit that i think we have as cow men over probably sheep men you know that sheep men deal a lot with predator problems and coyotes and and bears and different things but it's not been an issue for us at any point we've actually had the last few years more trouble with noxious weeds uh weed called larkspur that uh is really toxic and man it's it's the prettiest flower ever to to look at i mean it'll blanket the ground this pretty blue purple and i mean everybody thinks it's just know the best thing ever but it's really toxic and it's cost us more by far than we've had
1: predators at all what do you do to avoid that
0: well we have tried to manage when we go because it seems to have more within like a two-week period and then once it's kind of past that point then they can eat it and it doesn't bother them but i don't know we've tried different things salt them a lot before they go and they don't have a tendency to, you know, eat it as much. Um, just your timing. A few years ago in 2019 we had a really wet spring and it grew like crazy. And, uh, you know, we went up there and just hoped for the best and it it hit caught. It was costly. It got us bad. And then we were really kind of scared with it this year because we had such a good winter. And there was there was quite a bit of it, but man, we just timed it, you know, a little better. And I mean, we had some loss, but you know, it wasn't like it was in 2019, but 2020 and 21 and 22 where it was dry and droughted. I mean, there was still some, but not. It just didn't have an effect on us like it did in those super wet springs. So it's just hard to manage. I mean it's public property, you know, ground so to deal with the forest on that, i mean, they're not going to they're not going to go in and spray it or try to manage it that way because it's just way too much and it affect it may affect trees and it may affect who knows what, some kind of bug or whatever. So, you know, there's no help on that end of it. You just kind of take your chances actually.
1: a day in the life of a cattle rancher. What do you do? When are you waking up? Let's go into that detail of it. Like what you do from when you get up until you go to bed. Well,
0: I mean, it varies from day to day. It really does. And I mean, we talked a little bit about this earlier. I mean, it varies from where you're at and uh, what your operation is. With our operation, uh, being a cow-calf deal and having the winners we have, we actually I have to put up a little bit of hay, quite a bit of hay to, to get us through the winter. And so, you know, summer times are busy putting up hay. But, you know, typically, you know, you get up six in the morning, basically whatever you got to do and how fast you got to get going. And this time of year right now, you know, haying and stuff, if we're bailing, if we're doing that, you're up early trying to catch the dew baling or raking uh doing that mostly in the morning spend quite a bit of time afterwards you know hauling and and getting your hay put up in the stack it never stops like you never ever do not have anything to do ever like if it isn't you know haying you you got fence to fix you got irrigating i mean we're moving pipes uh, a lot of ditch irrigating here so where we're at. So you're, you know, flood irrigating and pulling dams and just, just different things when, when the water's good. And, you know, we take certain days, maybe during the week when we got to go ride and check things on the forest. And so you will, we'll, we'll usually leave early. I'll take the kids and we'll saddle early. It's usually about an hour to get on the mountain and, you know, we'll take a lunch, just spend the day moving cows, checking cows, looking. Those are the most fun days. Those are our John Wayne days is what I call them, where we get to dress up and wear boots and spurs and cowboy hats and chaps and all that good stuff, you know. But um, we try to do that and it varies. Like Fall time of year, we'll have to spend a lot of time doing that, gathering cows. You know, you'll go every day looking for cows. You got to get them off, get them home. And so, you know, we'll end up doing a lot of riding then. But this time of year, we're, like I say, we're haying, moving sprinklers, just never
1: stops. When you were saying trying to catch the dew, like, is that for a better yield? Like, what do you mean?
0: Usually you cut your hay. Alfalfa hay, you'll usually try to cut it in the daytime. But what you're doing with catching the dew is when you bale it, in order to keep the leaf on the stem, which is the most valuable part of the hay, you want to try to keep a little bit of dew so it's uh, moist enough that when you do bale it, it doesn't knock those leaves off and it makes a better bale and more protein and higher food value so it's just what you try to do and usually when you go in and with these bigger baners it doesn't matter round or square whatever you got you know you try to rake two windrows to one after you cut it so you you want to do that with the dew on it too because the more dew and when you move that hay the less chance it is of of knocking those leaves off and damaging that so
1: you want it to be dry though don't you
0: yeah it does have to be dry when you bail it you want to make sure that it's all dry and otherwise it'll ruin your it'll spoil or get hot and maybe start on fire but and it and you can't always catch dew you know it's not always there but we've actually had a a year crazy year that way because shoot the dew will stay so heavy into the morning that you're not able to start doing it till 10, 9 or 10, which usually you're up at 2 or 3 in the morning, you know, when the dew starts coming on. And so it just varies, you know, it's crazy year to year. But, you know, sometimes you'll be up all night long baling hay because even when it just cools down, just the way that is with the hay, it, it'll, you know, make it better. Um, even if there's not a lot to do, it just makes a better bale and you save more leaf. So, just a process.
1: We're going to stop it there. I'm going to bring Earl back on for another episode and we will continue our discussion about cattle ranching. Thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs>